Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. Let's welcome our first A-team guest, Ian Sibia, who is a spokesperson at King Price. Ian, good evening and thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me and good evening to the listeners as well. So in just a couple of weeks, we are going to be uh, experiencing new regulations around um, uh, the driver's license and regulations on the road. Talk to us about how the new drunk driving law will affect our car insurance. Yes, absolutely. I think you put it quite right that it's less than two weeks in fact. But then again, if you look at the previous or rather the still current condition of drinking or driving under the influence, it was 0.5 milligrams. So that was like probably just a glass only, which many people didn't stick to that regardless. But in any case, uh, with the new laws that are coming in now, I think before there was sort of a gray area in between that space to say uh, a driver would then sort of somehow get away with the fact that, okay, well, they've had a couple of drinks or a glass or two, but was their driving ability impaired or not? So this new system takes away that gray area where now, if regardless of whether you've had one glass or not, but uh, if you are to be found on the other side of the law and you get into an accident, then simply put, an insurer does not have any obligation to pay out their claim. So in most cases, once it does come into effect, definitely your claims and your insurance premiums will be affected as well. So insurance premiums and claims are going to be affected and most likely than not, you will be uh, rejected if you claim and you were under the influence while driving. But uh, is it not a blood alcohol level uh, supposed to be with this new regulation under 0.05% grams per 100 milliliters. So if, if that's the rules and regulations now, does that mean a sip, <laughs> a quarter of a sip of a drink? <laughs> it's like with what we're sitting than, with now. It's actually less than a glass. So it, it, it was quite really ridiculous on its own if you look at it. But, you know, it, it was what it was. <laughs> so, yes, definitely. Uh, the claims will be affected because... If you look at the underwriting processes of an insurance company, it um, it has always the clause that, you know, if, if, if it's against the law, um, most cases it will not be covered because insurance will not endorse um, driving under the influence, whereas the state does not endorse it. An insurer will not cover an unlicensed vehicle to be on the road when um, the Road Traffic Act does not provide cover for that as well. Uh, Same that goes with the demerit system, because I think it goes hand in hand with the drinking and driving. Once that comes into effect, I think that possibly will be something that will come into play in your future insurance premiums and policies and underwriting as well. So definitely times are changing. Uh, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable for some people, and for some people it's a relief, because at the end of the day, um, we will have those bad apples. We will have those people who take chances. I believe that not only will it work by only putting these laws in, but I think also what I'd like to see on the roads is more visibility of police officing as well. Well, you know, Ian, sometimes I ask myself, I know what the rules and regulations are as a South African, um, as a motorist, and, and then I know I've got insurance, but 
is there an obligation from our insurance companies to inform us via a letter, an email, an SMS, something that with the change of this new law around uh, drunk driving, it will impact us if we need to get um, a claim. So whose responsibility um, is it? Yeah, so that's that's a very good question. It's a very direct question per se. But the way I'll answer this is to say, when looking at an insurance policy document, it's, um, I wouldn't say it's a vague document per se, but it doesn't specifically point out to specific details in terms of uh, if you do a specific thing. Like, for instance, if we say an unworthy vehicle, it could be a simple thing like uh, worn-out tires. If you have worn-out tires on your vehicle, that makes it unroadworthy. If your vehicle um, is not licensed or registered in South Africa, um, it may not be an unroadworthy vehicle in certain states. So you look at those facts and say, even when it comes to the licensing of a person driving under the influence, that person shouldn't even be on the road if you have your license suspended because of drinking and driving, or if you have too many debarred points and your license gets suspended uh, or endorsed, then you shouldn't ever be on the road at that specific time. And you stand the risk of not only your claim being repudiated, but also you stand the risk of having your policy cancelled. And now when an insurance company cancels your policy, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to, to find insurance elsewhere thereafter. So I wouldn't directly say it's the responsibility of the client to be aware of it or the responsibility of the insurance company. I think both parties would, would, would need to sort of understand it consciously that if it's against the law, then most likely an insurance company wouldn't cover it either. Uh, I think it's, it's one of those things where you can't really say you didn't know, you know, it, it's sort of a general knowledge type of thing as well. Definitely. Maybe, yeah, go ahead. Maybe there will be communication sent out to clients. I'm not going to take away from it. Um, there may be co- communication that will be sent out because at the end of the day, I mean, sending an SMS will probably cost less for an insurance company than to keep paying out claims due to not communicating perhaps with the client. Ignorance is not bliss when it comes to the law. It's uh, 21 minutes after 10. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. We are speaking to Ian Sibia, who is spokesperson at King Price, about uh, how the new drunk driving law will affect your car insurance. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. A-teamers, join in on the conversation as we speak how the new drunk driving law will affect your car insurance. It's very clear uh, from a spokesperson at King Price, Ian Sabia, that, well, the insurance is under no obligation to meet your claims if you break the law by driving after drinking. And you know what this law says, your um, legal blood alcohol limit for drivers is 0%. Um, zero percent. So call in and let's hear from you. If you are one that enjoys a drink after work, or you know you you've uh, you know you've been known for your skills of driving after having a, a pint or two, of which is not safe for you and other uh, road users. But if you're one of those and you you feel, oh, man, this law is one of those that we should do without. Call in. Let us know why. Oh one one seven one four two zero zero six. But if you are one that advocates. 
standards for this and feel that uh, it will bring safety on our roads. It's also a thing that you can talk to us about. Call 011-714-2006 or SMS41391. Remember, the WhatsApp number is 0614104107. So, Ian, I don't know if you remember a couple of Easter's ago, when uh, it was reported that after eating a hot, um, yeah, it was a hot cross bun, which had cinnamon and I don't know what ingredient in it uh, caused okay. people to reflect an alcohol level in their, in, 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 in their breath when they had a breathalyzer test. Mm-hmm. How, how secure are we on the roads with these breathalyzers? I mean, if hot cross buns could strike a siren, <laughs> um, a cough <laughs> mixture, how bad could that get us into trouble? Yes, that's, that's also a very good question. I had the same conversation um, with a colleague over the weekend to say, not only from just cough mixture or, or medication, uh, prescribed medication can also po- possibly give out the same readings. But I also touched on the issue of even in a workplace, for instance, you find since cannabis is legal now and it's, um, uh, it's also a medication in, in to, to cancer patients and chemotherapy and all of that. So on your insurance, whenever you can be able to prove the fact that you are under medication, it is a prescribed medication or a drug that you are taking that is giving out these readings, then definitely you will not be prejudiced. So you will remain undercover. It's only those people who know very well that what they're doing is wrong, and then those are the ones who will then suffer the consequences of the decisions they've taken. Because stats have shown that the majority of um, fatal accidents was 56% um, alcohol-related. So if the statistics are saying that, then it's something definitely that uh, people need to be looking out there for. You know? And <clears throat> also to add on to this, I, I recall a time when I was still working for an insurance company that services clients in Australia and New Zealand. So being a first world country, as you would know, demerit system, driving under the influence is prohibited, that side. So I would, I would get instances where coming from a South African background where I know nothing about demerits and how they work, whenever I would speak to a client and they tell me, you know what, I've got seven demerits. The client already knows that the premium will be expensive. So I I foresee that happening now, soon in South Africa, that your premiums, your policies will be affected by the number of demerits you have. So it it, it all creates this uh, environment of self-awareness, of knowing that, look, for every uh, precaution or every decision you make, there will be a consequence for that. So essentially... It not only makes the driver safer, but also the people around them safer. I know some people, after a glass or two, we all think we're Michael Schumacher on the road or Lewis Hamilton. But in any case, this just takes that away completely. Well, let's definitely take that away. We are not uh, any of those, especially on the national roads where there are um, speed, speed limits. Let me go to Anonymous. Atima Anonymous, good evening. Good evening to you. Welcome back after the long weekend. And we just uh, wait for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Okay. And your guest as well. I just want to say it's a good idea, um, you know, that we have on the demerit system and also about the alcohol uh, consumption, you know, for road users, because it's where it safeguards. Because sometimes people under those influences are not uh, observant on the road, 
and anything could happen. Sometimes there is their lives, and there is the lives, like your guest said, there is the lives of all the people around them, which is absolutely true. But my question is, how do you uh, differentiate the difference between an alcohol user and a drug user? Because when a person is high on drugs, he too is like not concentrating on the road, and he too, uh, he or she, he or she, right? Because women also takes, um, you know, a substance abuse. So how can we resolve that problem? Because we're talking about alcohol, we're not talking about, you know, drugs like, you know, ecstasy, cocaine, and all those things, those nasty drugs. Hello? I really like your question, Anonymous. I I really like it because there's there's a thing that I tend to notice on the road is that the, the ones who drink alcohol are easily detected. But those who are taking hardcore drugs, how do you see them? Because someone who's high sees flying elephants. Thank you, Anonymous, for that Thank question. You, let's, let's leave it to Ian to answer. Yeah, I, I think more than anything, I want to add on to that. Um, it's an interesting point because I, I was looking at a study and it showed that actually during the 2010 World Cup period, in 2010, one would expect there would be a lot of cars on the road, and there were, and you would expect a lot of accidents. But actually, recently, 2010 had the least amount of accidents on the road. And then you have to ask yourself, but what was the reason for that? Yes, people were drinking, definitely a lot, because of the World Cup. But because there was more visible policing on the road. I was listening to another interview by Outra, and they were saying that, you know, Obviously, they had disagreeing points on the reasons why uh, they feel that this will not work. Also, the automobile, the automobile um, industry was talking about the same thing. And, I, and, and the points they raised were that um, this shouldn't just be about revenue generating. You know, um, fines like these seem to be more about revenue generating than really keeping people safe. You look at the speed traps. Some of the speed traps are there, uh, like the one on the N1 towards Pretoria. There's a speed trap there when you enter Pretoria CBD through Bosman's side. That one used to have so many accidents until those, those speed traps were there. And now you've seen a, humus, a, a, a humongous reduction in those accidents. So uh, I think not only will this work on its own just for drug-related, but it needs to be supported by other measures. So uh, the caller was quite correct in that question that she asked that it shouldn't just be about alcohol alone, but there needs to be an additional support that supports all these areas, not drunk and driving, people without licenses, people driving unregistered vehicles, unlawful vehicles. We see it all the time. People driving without lights at night, you know. So who's there to cater for all of those situations in that regard so i think that's a very good question i just wanted to add on to that as well to say definitely a lot is still needed to be done now Ian, on the drug issue let's just stay there but when a person has been under the influence of hardcore drugs what sort of tests do you as insurance companies take before um you know while assessing the claim and before ascertaining whether or not this claim will be paid out or not okay so let me start it with the claims procedure, for instance. Uh, that person gets into an accident, right? The first thing they are required to do would be to do an, um, to get a case number. Go to the nearest police station and do an accident report. 
So obviously at the time there, the constable will, who will be dealing with the person um, should see whether this person is under the influence of some substance, whether it's drugs or whether it's um, alcohol-related. And in that case number, they will write there that possible suspicion of DUI. And if you are found to be under the influence of something, then definitely you'll be taken in. Then the insurance thereafter will repudiate the claim. Not only that, but there are other ways that an insurance will also investigate it. Because remember, most of the investigators in an insurance company are former police officers, former detectives. And I would actually say, I don't know if I'm giving it away or something, but I'd actually say that an investigator most likely probably gets a little bit more than, you know, what they used to get at the police department. Don't quote me on that, please. Just saying it completely off the record. All right. <laughs> However, <Yeah. laughs> so, so bear in mind that they know how to investigate. In most cases, they'll even ask for your bank statement, you know, to see, okay, what was your trail? Where have you been? What have you purchased? How much have you consumed? All of that. So it, it all comes, it comes into play at claim stage where they would then be able to ascertain, get enough evidence to say, okay, well, we believe that there's absolutely no grounds for us to repudiate your claim. But if the police report says that, no, definitely you are reeking of something or you, you are possibly under the influence of something, then an insurer may request if there are grounds, they may request a sample of your urine or something like that. It's not on every case per se, but if there's reasonable doubt, then certainly can be requested. Let me go to an A-teamer, Jay, who's holding on the line. Good evening, Jay. Good evening to you and good evening to our guests. Um, it's uh, a beautiful and wonderful uh, topic that you brought up. My question is here. Yeah, Okay, it's not alcoholic-related, uh, neither drug. But when the accident has taken place, time uh, uh, the time is noted. Is it possible to detect whether the driver was on his cell phone at the time of the accident? Is it able? Are you able to, um, you know, uh, find out or what was the real cause? Was he? Was the driver? at the time on the cell phone. And Jay, we'll, mm-hmm. yeah. Jay, yeah, thank we'll you be- for that question. I think it's a very important question. This uh, texting and uh, driving mm-hmm. or even yeah. uh, t- uh, talking on the headset itself mm-hmm. and driving is quite a dangerous one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I-, I would um, say to that, different insurers have different methods that they use. Um, I-, I know some insurers have apps on the phone. Some apps are linked to, to the vehicle. In terms of, for instance, when you get into an accident, some of these tracking companies or apps are able to detect that, okay, um, you've been in an accident through the mobile phone, irrespective of the vehicle. And um, so I I think that it is possible. Uh, I wouldn't say on every single insurance company that they are able to detect detect that. I think it all depends on on, on the um, platform that they are using or the platform they've given you or the specific app, if it has that interface to see if you've been on the mobile phone or not. But um, traditional insurance, all it does basically, it, it would probably link on the network towers to see your whereabouts at the time, um, probably maybe the speed you were driving, if you have a tracker, because the tracker will record how fast you were driving. 
how you probably turned on that corner and um, that may work for you. Sometimes it can work against you as well because if you're found to be over speeding, driving above the legal limit, driving 200 on a 100-kilometer zone, then a trucker could count against you in that event. So... Okay, and there's a message here on our WhatsApp. Okay. Hi, good evening, ATMS. Um, as much as I think that this uh, law is is going to be, in fact, is supposed to be playing a pivotal role in terms of capping uh, so many unnecessary fatalities that are taking place in our roads, but the government needs to take, a, a, you know, a look into how its officials, that is the road uh, 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 officials, are conducting themselves. Because this could only mean more money to them as they get bribes uh, left, right and center. So I think it, 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 it won't have any effect while we still have uh, officials who are not, you know, um, carrying out their duty but looking at getting bribes. Um, it's Salvador Ngale um, in Willoughby. There's another message that uh, concurs with Salvado. It says, uh, this law will be bypassed by gentlemen um, talk packages, uh, bribes in inverted commas, unless officials on the road can have body cameras or audios. Um, What happens in a case of being knocked from behind while you were drunk? That's from Maswabi in Bloemfontein. Okay, what happens when you were bumped from behind while you were drunk? That's the question. Okay, so recently, or last week, in fact, no, a month ago, yes, we were speaking about um, what happens when your license card or license disc has expired and related to if your, your tires of the car are worn out beyond the legal thread limit. So... And you bump in behind. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll put this question in with that as well. But um, just to answer it directly is that if you were drunk, then definitely uh, the, in- the investigation will be quite tense or broad in the fact that to prove that did you have any direct involvement in you being bumped into at the time? Because, for instance, when I answered the question about having worn tires and you had a stopping light, and they bump into you, the, the principle that an insurance company uses, it's what's called casual nexus, which basically means that did your worn tires directly have an influence into somebody else bumping into you on your stationary vehicle? So I think also with the alcohol-related uh, question to say, if you were drunk, and someone bumps into your stationary vehicle. Now, let's say hypothetically you are on the road. Someone bumps into your stationary vehicle. Yes, casual nexus will still apply to try and see that did your offense directly have an involvement in you being bumped into? If the answer is no, then certainly there's no grounds for the insurance company to have prejudice on your, on your claim. I can be at News Cafe my car would be parked outside. Somebody bumps into me. That's the reason why to say perhaps I would have made alternative uh, arrangements to get back home. So casual nexus applies in that effect to say, uh, did it directly have an influence in you being bumped into? That's always the first question that we ask ourselves whenever dealing with, with the claim. 
Ian, as we close off, let me uh, read this message from Kat, who's in Peter Maritzburg, who says, uh, drinking, then driving, slower reaction time combined with SA's badly potholed roads and unsuspecting oncoming traffic, not a great idea. And I agree with her totally. Uh, Kat continues to say, can your guest elaborate on whether in South Africa, even just sitting in the driver's seat of a motor vehicle when under the influence of alcohol is still a criminal offense. Even if you just sleep it off before driving, I believe this used to be the case. Even if you're just sitting at all? Yeah, you're just sitting and you're sleeping off. You know, you're not driving. You're in the driver's seat. You, you're drunk, <laughs> you know, and you're just yes. trying to sleep it off. Yes, yes, yes. Is this a um, sense? Yeah, it, 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 it gets very technical in, in that sense because I think you would have to go to court and have to plead your case because uh, the argument from the state will be, but then why are you sitting on the driver's seat? And it's not like the car is parked at a at a complex or at a shopping center where you're sleeping it off. Sleeping it off on the side of the road, then there is considerable doubt to say definitely you are drinking and driving. So I think you would have to go and plead your court in case if that's if that's the scenario. Uh, I haven't heard yeah, I haven't heard of it specifically being a crime to be on the um on the driver's seat, sleeping it off on the side of the road. But I have seen in other states, in other countries, um through media reports that that can land you in prison. Definitely. On that note, Ian, thank you very much for shedding light to South Africans. Beware from June. No drinking and driving. Pusa ekaya. Thanks, Ian. Have a good evening. Thank you. It's uh, 20 minutes to 11. Remember, Amanda Machaka comes in now for the final news bulletin. And straight after that, it's going to be our Clairvoyant Media Mondays. But right now, let's get in uh, to some... A tragic but heartwarming initiative that has been done uh, by a GBV NGO that has launched a safe project. And we'll be talking straight after this to advocate Darisai Muchuchu Macmillan.